Marion and this is Let's Travel. As more people are getting vaccinated, we want to get back to traveling. But what does the future of travel possibly look like? I had a very interesting and inspiring conversation with two tourism experts who reinvent the way they work and live. Nick Pulley and my friend Aaron Smart in the United Kingdom. I am very happy to present episode six. So good morning. Hello, Aaron. Hello, Nick. Thank you so very much for joining me on Let's Travel. I'm very excited to have you guys. It's Selective Asia in uh, Brighton, United Kingdom, England. And uh, welcome. Uh, Nick, could you tell me a bit more about Selective Asia and who you guys are? Sure, absolutely. Well, thanks. Uh, first of all, thanks very much for, for having us on the show, Marin. It's a real pleasure. Um, and I know that obviously you're a, you're a friend of Aaron's in the past, but this is uh, from the past rather. But this is this is our first time of meeting, so very nice to meet you. Um, Selective Asia is a company I started in in 2006. At the time, it was in London, but I very sort of quickly moved down to uh, to Brighton, and, and Brighton has in in time become a pretty key part of our DNA. Um, and Selective Asia is a specialist um, tailor-made uh, bespoke travel operator. Um, we focus only on Asia. Initially, when I started the company, uh, we uh, operated in just four destinations across Asia. So Southeast Asia, Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam. And over the past uh, 15 years, we've expanded quite considerably, not just in the destinations that we, um, that we travel to, uh, which is uh, at around 19 at the moment, but also in the size of the company. So no longer me in my bedroom, but um, we... Um, uh, at, at the uh, at the beginning of 2020, we we were a team of over 30. We're we're now not quite the same size, um, for um, for reasons which will be familiar to all your listeners, no doubt. Um, but um, we're still a very very strong team, and 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 one that I um, massively enjoy working with on a daily basis. Talking about March 2020, actually in England, it may have been a bit earlier. Yep. The world. Our world stopped uh, and tourism just came to a dead stop for the pandemic reasons. Uh, what was the immediate impact for Selective Asia? Well, I think we were, we were actually on the... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I think we, we, were, we were potentially on the, on the, the sharp end of the stick with, with the pandemic originating in, in Asia. So we, we were ahead of the curve, I think, in, in that sense. And with our... With our uh, connections and our partners in Asia, we were we were hearing this coming. We were hearing what was coming on the wind uh, potentially earlier than 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 other industries, for example. Um, you know, the, the, there's been a lot said about about March and April 2020. For for us, um, the the initial the initial impact really was was rescuing our um, our clients. So we had we had some very nervous people who were who were due to travel out to places like Vietnam and Thailand. We had some potentially even more nervous people traveling in in places like Vietnam and, and Thailand and Cambodia. Um, and that, that was really our, our, our initial focus for, for a, probably a number of weeks was, you know, last minute postponements, last minute cancellations and the, and the slightly, um, slightly more stressful job of getting people home. Um, we were, we were ahead of the curve in, in a number of destinations due to our, our, our local partners and the information that we were getting so we we had a 
we had, and Nick will remember this fairly well. We had a um, a day we we look back on and call Super Super Sunday, where we were desperately trying to get people cross country in Sri Lanka, across um, across state borders in India, um, ahead of lockdowns and forced quarantines. So I mean that that for me is 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 the, yeah. the is the standout memory of that time. Um, and it you know it, it isn't it isn't hyperbole to say it was it was very much like a military operation. And I, I will, I will forever look back with, with pride and, yeah. <laughs> and potentially a, a, a little bit of, a little bit of terror, um, yeah. for, for those weeks. You know, we, we, I, we did an incredible job. I'm laughing a little bit nervously alongside Aaron there. Everything he's been saying because I remember it very well, um, and and it's with a real mixture of emotions. Certainly, um, huge amount of pride. Um, it was very, very high energy. Things were changing so incredibly quickly um, and it, it's not an exaggeration when we say we were we were we were taking people in the back of tuk-tuks across diagonally across Sri Lanka to get them to an airport before it closed and wouldn't reopen again for months um, we had to literally hijack a client off a train in India because had they got out of the station at the other end um, they would have been put into quarantine immediately. It was really, really high energy, and it was, you know, the the team really came together. It was a, it was, what well, we we decided to form quite a small core team to focus on all the extraction work, and you could see there was real envy from those team members that weren't able to be part of it. We need to keep it concentrated. It made sense to do so, but everyone wanted in on the action. So it's, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of sleep for a few weeks, but it's, um, it was a very, very uh, rewarding job. After the rescues and the uh, extractions to get people yeah. home safely, um, there was obviously absolutely zero business for a lot of us for a long time. Yeah. How, how did you use that time? What happened to your work yeah. space? Well, so yeah. Well, first of all, um, we had uh, we were all we were all back at home by then. We had, we had emptied from the office, and so that that was a huge shift for us, and and that took quite a lot of adjustment. We'd never any of us worked remotely even for a day before, and so you know when I look back now, just over a year ago, and I think to the first couple of months, we were still doing a we were still doing a conference call to each other as opposed to a Zoom call um, in the first month or two. That that's how amateur we were at, at remote working. Something I'm very happy to say we've got considerably better at. Um, but but what was interesting about the very, you know, once we're, we're through that extraction stage, the, the the tempos dropped quite considerably. We are all now looking around going, this is, this is real. This is here for some time now. Um, and, you know, there was a huge amount of thinking going on. But one of the, the, the overriding thoughts for me, sort of weirdly early on was just what there was a great opportunity for us here there was a great opportunity for us to reset despite selective asia having had all the successes it had, had in 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 past years and the growth that we had had you know bigger isn't necessarily always better and we had certainly got to a point where we it was feeling a little bit like we were going backwards this is pre-pandemic we were then very fast going backwards when the pandemic started obviously but but we had sort of plateaued somewhat and once the dust had settled off the extractions and, and we were coming to terms with the fact that, you know, business wasn't going to be the same again for a very long time, um, immediately we started to think in ways that, you know, what can we do with this time? How do, how do we use this time to, to its, you know, to, to the to best effectiveness, as it were? And um, so we set about um, really unpicking the business at that point and starting to get into you know, what we'd like to see change going forward. 
Aaron, do you have something to add to this? What were the uh, important aspects in looking at your lives from a business point of view, but also from a balance point of view, general satisfaction? We're all talking about how this has changed us on a human level worldwide. I mean, this has been the most shocking experience to our generation. And our grandparents dealt with the world wars and uh, such. We have never had anything of this impact. How did that affect you guys? No, you, you, you're absolutely right. The, the magnitude, the magnitude of the of the pandemic, I think, is is still very much to to be to be recognised, and, and we'll be dealing with it for you know for an awfully long time to come. Um, I think echoing Nick's Nick's point uh, from a moment ago. I think, and we both, I think we both used this word within within about 24 hours of each other. We we were perversely we were perversely excited by the opportunity that it that it forced us into. And I think we we, we Nick and, and and other members of the team recognised that without the pandemic, and, and you know, obviously it's not something we would ever have chosen to do voluntarily, but it, it gave us an opportunity to look at things from from the ground up. I think also on a on a slightly more personal level, it allowed us to go to go away. Um, I mean, at, at one point we we closed the business down. So once the extractions were were complete and once things had settled and, and the pace had slowed down, we decided to close the business for the month of May, just so that we could have, um, well, we could get some sleep and we could um, we could kind of recharge the batteries for the for the you know for for the future, um, which was which was incredible. But, but it also allowed us to to reconnect with you know with family. Um, the the, the I, I've worked in travel for for over fifteen years, and we just worked in the way that we'd always worked. You you go to the office, you you do a you know you do a job, and, and you come home. And we 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 loved what we what we did and, and what we do. But having that space and that time and 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 looking at things through a slightly altered prism, I think allowed us all from both within the business and without the business to reevaluate priorities you know to, to to make time um to spend with kids or with with family or with loved ones or with friends um and i think we've we grabbed that opportunity with both hands and it's something that has stayed with us in the you know in the in the in the uh, in the you know the, the last several months it's something that's been at the heart of what we've been trying to do at selective asia um, and it's become a, a real priority the thought quite quickly went a lot further than that as well, didn't it? It wasn't just about, you know, being there at the right time to pick up kids from school, which is obviously important to a lot of people. But it goes beyond that. And it's actually work, just simply working at a time that suits you. It may just simply be you're not a good morning person. You want to work in the afternoon or vice versa, whatever, whichever way it is. I know you get up very early, Marion, because we've been having these calls at opposite ends of the uh, opposite ends of the pond, haven't we? Um, but, um, but, but, you know, it, it sort of, it stretches quite a way down and as you start to sort of think more and more about it I think people did start to sort of have this wake-up call of you know I've, I've been going into an office at nine o'clock I've been leaving at five o'clock or six o'clock and I've had this sort of this 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 formulaic half hour lunch where you know it, and, and you know it's a bit you know it's sort of suddenly started to to dawn as being a bit crazy frankly um from a from a business perspective I think we had just become we had just become automatic you know we'd just fallen into this sort of this rhythm that, that didn't really make sense and I've spoken on a, on a couple of occasions and written an article even about it this from for us and it and this obviously won't apply to everyone but for us 
it became really obvious very quickly that what needed to happen was we just needed to stop and we needed to rethink. And you can't redesign a business and you can't reimagine a business when you are still on the hamster wheel and in, you know, you know, feverishly trying to get every uh, bit of business that you can and continue to sort of make profit and so on, which are obviously very core parts of doing business. But actually, if you want to, if you really want to take stock of the situation and dream big, then that all needs to stop. And, you know, for, for a very, very, you know, the pandemic is huge and you know we no no generation would wish that on another generation so i'm not suggesting that for a second but but it's happened we can't you know we can't do anything about that so we may as well take the opportunity that's been afforded to us so i don't celebrate the pandemic but i think i will one day look back and be grateful for one of the opportunities it created for us how are you using this opportunity you're the founder of Selective Asia, yeah. it's your baby. Yeah. And uh, how did that affect, How? what kind of boss were you before? How are you changing <laughs> you, as a you'd boss? Have to, you'd have to ask Aaron that. Um, <laughs> um, but um, I, you know, I, I, I was always very proud of having a, of working with a really, really great team of people, you know, really genuinely, we, they were, it was a room of friends and it was, that's been fantastic. But, you know, I was, pretty controlling I should imagine um, I was very um, uh, we were really invested in in growth and success and we loved it when we went we won awards and we loved it even more when clients you know fed back to us what a great trip they'd had so you know I was I was hungry for for all of that I had also sort of long been a, a, a very avid reader of sort of new ways of working and 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 a lot of uh, books and blogs and so on in, in that sort of sector. And I was always quite, I was always very jealous actually of it when I was reading these books because I was going, well, this is just wonderful. You know, these sort of scenarios you hear where people pick unlimited holiday work from where they want, when they want and so on. And I, and I always just felt it can't, it doesn't apply to us. And I've heard so many people say that over the years going, it makes for really good reading, but it simply doesn't apply to us so one of the things one of the, the very very fortuitous things that happened early on was I was I met a guy called John Barnes through a through a mutual friend and John helps organizations um, work differently and so we had a really really great conversation immediately hit it off I immediately knew John was the right person to, to work with he he um, I'm very grateful for the fact he, he said he would work for us um, and he, so he came in and sort of joined the team in a consultancy basis and set about um, helping us strip down to absolute base foundations again, build back up uh, with no hierarchy. And that's at the very core of things. So what, what John's focused on is helping us communicate really well as a team. And that's obviously whilst we're all working remotely. So that's been hugely influential. Part of that is technology, part of that is simply the way we work with each other, the way we structure meetings and so on. And the other part is this, this removal of hierarchy and this, um, this encouragement to self-manage and self-organise. Um, and, you know, pass, I'll pass over to Aaron at this point, because Aaron is one of these, you know, one of, one of these team members that is now self-managed and self-organising, as opposed to being managed previously, which would have been where I was sat. Aaron, what does I, that look like for you in daily life? Well, I, I think Nick's been a little bit hard on himself in, 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 in regards to his, his past life as, as, as the boss, so to speak. We, I mean, one of the reasons I, one of the many reasons I joined Selective Asia was it was, it was a relatively flat structure. And we, you know, we, we were all 
um, you know, pre-pandemic, we were all encouraged to bring ideas and to and to you know have a have a handle on on driving our own destiny at the company. But ultimately, a lot of things came to a bottleneck when when they came to Nick's desk yeah, yeah. because he's he was he was he was one person. Um, so the, you know, ideas were out there and and and, and opportunities were out there, but they 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 often came to um, they often took an awfully long time to come to fruition. So I think one of the one of the, the the really big changes is is as Nick said, the removal of hierarchy and the empowerment of of the entire team. So I mean, we've we've done away with uh, we've essentially done away with um, with job titles. You know, we we work um, as part of projects, um, various different projects. We work asynchronously, which has been a real game changer for me, because there are there are times when uh, I've, I've got. I've, as you well know, Marion, I've got three kids. They can they can be unpredictable, but it's great for me to be able to go away um, and spend an afternoon with the kids, and then come back in an evening and and pick up on some work that that colleagues have done um, earlier in the day, uh, that I can then add to on an evening. We you know we've we've worked out ways of of working that don't need us all to be in the the same room, which 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 is impossible, but not even necessarily on the on you know on the same on the same. Um, time schedule as as, yeah. as it were so all all of these things i you know i think have been there's been times when i've been um really stressed and it's you know it's a it's a very different working environment but there's been real um real excitement and real um real enthusiasm yeah. for, for 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 all of us within the team to to step outside of our traditional roles and to to Im improve our skills in different areas, um, and I, I I don't think there's a single person on the team who who hasn't excelled at a number of different things that we wouldn't have expected them to, um, you know, 13, 14 months ago, um, yeah, and that's yeah. been a real revelation. There's that, a lot of, a lot you know, of it's something I've I've long thought, and, and I know Nick agrees with. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. Yeah. No, Nick. Uh, what results do you see? Ultimately, a company has to function. Uh, is yeah. this big discussion now? It's like workplace happiness, work-life balance, yeah. um, more um, taken out hierarchy. But ultimately, if there's no money coming in, if there's, yeah. how do you make it work? And what results well, have you seen at this point? Yeah. It's a huge well, learning curve for people who've been employed their whole lives. It's a, it's, a, it's a tricky one to answer because unfortunately we're still not seeing any money coming in. So it's, uh, we, we haven't really got a fair test ground. Um, what I'm very confident of saying is that we, because we went about things the way that we did and we took the time to strip everything back and build back up slowly, I feel confident that, that once you know, our, our, our previous day-to-day -day business sort of starts more more firmly. And, you know, we still have bookings coming in. They're just, you know, they're, they're few and far between in comparison to previously. And more importantly, we don't have any bookings traveling still. And that's, that's what we really need to see. Um, but what I see is I see 15 people really empowered um, and the energy around the room is, uh, and this is a virtual room, of course, the energy is, is, is phenomenal. And what's, and Aaron um, quite correctly um, sort of made reference to the point earlier, this bottleneck that previously happened at Selective Asia, and I was the bottleneck. And it's because, you know, ideas come through and they get stuck. Nothing, they don't need to come to me anymore. When a project, everyone's volunteering what projects they're working on. And incidentally, sales is a project. So when, and, and we developed an inter-project sort of traffic-like system, if you like. So every week we review 
how much work's required on any of the projects. And one of those projects, for example, is B Corp, which we're in the assessment process of. Another one of them is designing a new sales process. Another one of them is internal company communication. And there's, there's a handful of others. And each week we'll review how much, uh, how many pairs of hands, as it were, how much focus each of those projects requires. And so as sales comes up, sales is firmly on green and another project may go to red provisionally, for example, to allow that. So we've got this, we've got a much better understanding of the pulse of the company than we previously did. And certainly as a company, um, you know, 14, 15 months ago now, if you asked any of us what our, what our aim was, if you like, it would be to get as many sales as we can this month or to make as many great holidays as we can this month would be a better way of putting it in our, in our case. We're not sort of solely financial driven in that sense, but yeah, it's, it's to maximize. And we think about things really differently now. We, we just do across the team. We're, 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 we're much more interested in, um, in um, client contentment and our own contentment, I hasten to add. We're very, very focused. We've completely revisited um, our commitments to sustainability and with drawing up, you know, redrawing up our values and our purpose in these in previous months. Um, that's so much. I mean, it's always been a huge focus for us, but it is now at the absolute heart of the decision making that we're doing, which has been wonderful. And um, and it's and it's about you know teamness, as it were, and ensuring that everyone, you know, everyone else on either side. Um, is 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 happy and is and is doing the things that they want to do as well as driving the business forward and that's that's been really really it's just been a beautiful journey to be part of I suppose and the proof is in the pudding obviously we need you know ask us in a year how it's going when hopefully those sales and you know those travel travel is going ahead but um, I'm confident that um, we're going to be a far stronger team for it. And you mentioned just now, and we also talked about this in our previous conversation when we just got to know each other a little bit, um, the satisfaction and happiness level on all sides. Yeah. You guys as a team, your uh, customers, obviously, uh, but also people in the destinations. You are taking people to countries that are socioeconomically much more disadvantaged than we are in our yeah. first world countries. And you are making huge changes. What exactly does that look like? What can you visualize that and give me more information on what ha actually happens on the ground? Well, I, I, th I think the one of our one of our values has always been the, the people that we work with um, in, in both the sense of clients as, as, as well as our friends and colleagues in Asia and the communities that we that we visit. It's always been a really big part of what we do. We, I think we've just, as with as with other projects, we we've gone back to the real core of, of what that means to us, and we've you know, we've we've made the decision that that will be key in any in any further decisions. So it under it underpins it's the foundations of what we will build going forward. Is um, you know th there's there's no need to shy away from from the fact that in order for a business to be successful, we have to we have to sell holidays and we have to make money. But we won't be, you know, we, we, we won't be, that won't be our sole focus. It will be the quality of the, of the product that we sell. It will be the, the happiness and the, um, the benefit that brings to, to local partners and, and, and to clients and, and to ourselves. And it's, we've drawn up a, a, forgive me, Nick, I wasn't part of this project, but I think it's six key values. Yeah. We've defined who we are. We've, you know, and, and that then seeps into everything that we do. Um, and it, it, you know, it, it's conversations that I have with with colleagues day in and day out. We refer back to those values, 
because whilst we've had them, whilst they've always been part of Selective Asia, the act of defining them and writing them down, I think has been transformative. I yeah, think it's given us a real definition. It's another, it's, another, it's another one of the advantages of this huge sort of hard stop that we've been through gives us as well because you know I, I would always I would say that we've always been a, a reasonably values-led business and I would say we're now a very very strong values-led business as it were we've got a very clearly defined purpose which has been drawn up by everybody you know it's and 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 that's very important it's not just my 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 outlook on life as it were it's everyone within the business and we've obviously got this you know the last the last 14 months has brought us even closer together and I wouldn't have even thought that was possible but it but it clearly has and what's really important for all of us now is that we take each of these factors, our client happiness, our partners and, and local destinations, happiness and welfare, um, as well as our own and also, you know, success of the business. But we but we put these things on an equal pedestal as excess pounds and, and dollars, as it were. And and that's really, really important because as we sort of build back up now, we're going through we're auditing all of our product. And we'll be taking a lot of stuff out of there, which now we feel quite strongly shouldn't have been there. Let's say, you know, we perhaps got a little bit, you know, influenced by by a client's um, preferences or by a, a, a previous partner's preferences or whatever it may be. We're also auditing all the hotels for their sustainability factors. We only want to be working with hotels that are doing right by the environment and also doing right by their stakeholders and their people. And so we want to work with a smaller number of hotels, but the ones that are contributing in a really positive way. Likewise, our local partners who have we've always had a very, very close bond with. But when we look at when we look at sort of secondary partners, if you like, single day tour operators and so on in each of our destinations, very specialist, you know, you know, one person businesses quite often. We want to make sure that they're doing things the way that, that, that stands up to our values as well. So as we build back up, it is affording us this opportunity to be a bit more rigorous than we have been in the past. When you're, when you're at the coalface and the train's going at a thousand miles an hour, it's very, very hard to stop and really consider whether you're doing the right thing or not. And, 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 and we're, we're, taking, we're correcting that now. So how do you uh, communicate with your clients and what is their response? Have, has there been a conversation about that with them yet? Yeah, very, very much so. We, I mean, we've, we've got a, we've got an incredibly. I've, I've worked for a number of travel, travel companies in, in, in my, in my time and tour operators, and Selective Asia's core um, clients that have, have been with them, uh, with the company for, for a number of years, have travelled multiple times. Um, so we have a, um, we have a really transparent relationship, and we're very able to go and speak to uh, a number of clients. Um, about the, the the ideas that we have and the the projects that we're working on, whilst we whilst Nick said earlier, the, you know the proof will be in the pudding. But the the response so far has been has been fantastic. Um, we've we've slowed things down. Um, that happened fairly naturally because of because of the pandemic. But we we took it we took it a step further um, with with redesigning the way that we communicate with people, the way that we present itineraries to people. It's much more interactive. But it's much more, it's much more client focused, and we we recognise that the, the the real value that we add as as consultants and specialists and experts is our time. It, it's it's you know making sure that if I speak to you, Marion, to design a, a trip to Vietnam, it's not a five minute conversation. You know, it's it's commitment on both sides, and it's working in partnership so that you go on the trip that is perfect for you. That will be very different to to anybody else's. 
and that that comes with you know with with getting to know clients and and giving um, giving them you know the time it takes to 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 get to that next level, um, and it's been it's been really rewarding as a as a sales consultant and and a, as part of the the project redesigning the um, the, the the process, and the feedback so far, albeit fairly um, a fairly small pool, the the feedback's been fantastic. Um, people feel less pressured. They feel able to breathe. Um, a, a, an old colleague of mine once said, "You know, we're we're not selling fast food," and it's that that's something that stuck with me over a number of years. You know, these these trips, and I think sometimes we become a bit blasé about it by um, unfortunately because of because of the fact that we do it day to day. But the trips we sell are are, are, are pretty good. You know, and and for most people, if you're going out to to Asia for the first time, it's something that you'll remember for the rest of your life. And if you're visiting Vietnam for a second or third time, these things stay with you, and they are, you know, they're incredibly worthwhile. You know, other than other than ha ha houses and cars, yeah. A, 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 you know, a trip of this nature is is often the biggest thing people will purchase in in a year or a five year period. Um, and it's 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 going back and and recognizing the the value and the impact of of what what you know what we do day to day, um, and that's been that's been great to get back to that passion. It's taking the time to get into the to the finer details and um, and, and and working more with the client, give, take slowing that process down. We're being very open about that now. You know, if you want to if you want to quote in a price in a booking today, we're not the company for you. We want to take the time over it because we think you'll enjoy it more and we're going to enjoy it more as well. And there's a lot of positives in that process. We want to learn about your previous trips. We want to understand what went wrong. You know, we want to we want to hear about the funny anecdotes of, a, you know, of a, or your favorite meal on a, in a, on a previous trip, because those little things can lead to great success on the next trip as well. Um, and I think uh, Aaron does himself and all of us an injustice with these trips are pretty good. They're absolutely brilliant, the trips we create. <laughs> Yeah, recently, it was somewhere on social media, I saw this uh, meme, uh, when you spend money on travel, it's the only time that you actually spend money on something that makes you richer. And yeah. I think in mass tourism in the previous years, that has really gotten lost for a lot of people. On the tour management side that I have a lot of experience with, I've seen programs where there was absolutely no time to ever exhale, and it was a very strict fast yeah. uh, trip and i felt that there was not that much value in it for a lot of the participants and i am i'm so happy to see that this is getting back to more of a yeah this consciousness you guys have of this will be building memories and experiences yeah. for a lifetime and they have to be personal and authentic not a uh, mass-produced Thing. Absolutely. I mean, a big part of our job, I think, is is creating the opportunity for spontaneity. And when you really stop and think about it, that's the magic part of travel, isn't it? Mm. It's not what's scripted and it's not what's on a, you know, a military-esque 10-hour agenda through the day with, you know, long car journeys in between to get from one, you know, famous site to the next. It's actually what's in a street you know, two streets back from that famous site more often than not. It's the interaction you have with someone at a marketplace. And so I think what we're really coming to terms with is, is, is understanding when to respectfully push back a little bit. Um, that in turn will, will help the planet because it means that you're not 
just adding to the over tourism problem thoughtlessly. I mean, you're never going to not, you know, everyone's always going to want to go to Tiger's Nest when they go to Bhutan. We understand that. But try doing it a different way and ensure that they visit some other areas of Bhutan that they wouldn't otherwise necessarily go to on the sort of the, the bog standard eight day tour of Bhutan, as it were. So spreading the spreading the uh, the wealth of, of, of the tourism brings to these destinations is is vitally important. And that starts with us. Ultimately, we need to have done the groundwork and we always have done to understand where that place B is and actually, you know, have the courage to represent it for the for the benefits that it brings rather than just well you know Halong Bay very very popular sure you want to go there why not you know talk about the next bay along um, and actually sell the the virtues of, of of travel there with you know just a fraction of the number of junks in, on the water that you'll get on Halong Bay itself. <laughs> How does uh, the world look for you guys now in the United Kingdom? In California, we're pretty much opening up, talking. Yeah. Uh, about opening 100% in the large stadiums next weekend. Um, so the world is coming back to more normal. Um, how do you see the future for you guys? How fast do you think you can actually execute and see travel come back to a certain form? So it's a, it's a, it's an interesting question and, it, and it's one that we've we've been asking ourselves since, since March last year, really. Um, the, I mean, the, the difficulty is, al although the, The, uh, as in America, uh, similar to the UK, things are starting to open up. We are we are seeing the easing of lockdowns and restrictions, um, and we were you know, we were super excited to see the the green list and that Portugal was was accessible again. So that you know we're, we're positive and and optimistic that that will continue to happen. The other the other side of the coin is 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 governments in Asia opening up for tourism, and Th Thailand is is at the moment leading the way with the the kind of the Phuket travel corridor um so i you know we, things things may be different um than they previously were and that may not ultimately be a bad thing i think for the for the time being we're we're optimistic that things will things will improve towards the end of the year um and we're we're fairly comfortable with with that um and and certainly going into 2022 um a lot of our forward bookings at the moment are are late 21 early 22 and, and even into um even into 2023 Which is fantastic to see, um, but we're you know we're we're, we're very positive. Um, but we're, we're uh, uh, again we are we're looking forward to seeing what the new landscape will look like and, and adapting to it. Um, and if if that means less you know less mass tourism, less movement of people, that can only really be a good thing. Absolutely, and if you know we're we're big advocates of you know when when people take the trip spend a little bit longer there and take one less trip a year i think we've all we've all felt guilty in the past of you know particularly in europe europe europe's famous for it i think you know these sort of long weekends in this another city constantly and jumping on and off a plane you know more a lot more often than we, than we should be you know adding another week on and really making the journey count in in uh, in a in a long haul destination makes much better use of that carbon impact at the end of the day. You're looking at a carbon impact per day score. Um, you know, you, you put yourself in, in, a, in a much better light. Um, you know, just to, to mirror Aaron's words there, I think domestically we feel that things are in pretty good shape in the UK. No one's going to say that too boldly, given, you know, the setbacks we've we've had time and time again. But, but certainly there's a, there's a growing confidence. 21st of June, uh, we think, will be... The end of all restrictions but there's there's you know as there always is in the press there's some talk around that that not coming to, to fruition quite that quite so soon 
and long haul, we just we just have to be more patient. Um, there is still continued spikes in various destinations, not just in Asia, all over the world. You know, it just keeps popping up, and um, you know, it's it's nice that finally some of the wealthier governments around the world are starting to understand the need for global vaccinations to really solve this problem. It comes at a time where they've you know they've clearly taken care of their own populations first, which is a little sad to see. But um, better late than never. Um, and certainly I hope that um, I know the US government are starting to donate large, large numbers of vaccinations. The UK a bit slow on that, I think, and, and other European countries as well. We need to really pick that up because this doesn't go anywhere until until everyone's vaccinated and, um, and we all need to pull together on that one. So 2022, we're very positive about. Um, we, we see we see some really great travel happening in, in 2022 and more considered travel. You know, people have had a long time to think about where they want to go next. And they're not just going to blindly jump on a plane to the first destination that comes across the screen in front of them. They're going to know where they want to go and they're going to, you know, we, we think really make it count. And that's certainly the, the conversations that Aaron and, and a lot of the other team are having at the moment reflect that. Last but not least, uh, you're UK based. Most of the, your clients, I assume, are in the UK, but you are incredible experts for the Asian market. Yeah. Would you be open to working with uh, clients from other countries? Could that Absolutely. be an international? Pre-pandemic, actually, uh, pre-pandemic rather, um, actually, twenty uh, percent uh, of our clients were from the US, um, and a number of clients each year from uh, a lot of the expat destinations. So you know, Dubai's elsewhere in the Middle East, Singapore, Hong Kong, and so on. Um, but yeah, we, we do work with clients from, from around the world and, and, and wish to continue to do so. In fact, it may well be with the way that we're now working um, in this far more dispersed format that actually we'll, we'll have team members working from other parts of the globe as well, which would be really fantastic to see. I'm, I'm longing for the day that some of the team are basing themselves out in Asia for a month here or a month there, or simply that they work in Sao Paulo, Brazil, or wherever it may be, and, and, are, and are helping clients in these destinations because they're, they're more naturally on the clock. Wonderful. Uh, last but not least, very, very last but not least, what's the best way to contact you? And of course, I will be linking that in the descriptions uh, so that people also have, you know, listeners and viewers, please have a look below. But what's the best way to get a hold of you guys? Sure. Well, web address is www.selectiveasia.com, uh, contact at selectiveasia.com. Um, and then it's plus four four one two seven three six seven zero double zero one. All of that will be below. Thank you so very much. I'm really very happy and encouraged to see how tourism is evolving and you guys are at the forefront. And it's been an incredibly wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Marion. Thanks for your time, Marion. Take care. Oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for subscribing to my podcast. Let's travel! Exclamation point.